Howdy folks, Al from the future here. Not like the future after this, uh, like you're listening to it, that would be crazy. But the future after I recorded this show. So last week's show uh, I, I did with my brother, um, and it was like a little mini-sode. And this week's show is actually what should have been last week's show. So when I started editing, I was like, oh, there's a lot of references to the new year in this, because it was the first one I recorded in the new year. Um, but by the time it comes out, it's it's going to be the 17th, so just keep that in mind. Also, uh, I did not, I was a little sick. There was like some little sickies. And I, I also, yeah, I'm just not going to lie to you, I'm not going to do a lot of editing on this week's episode because it's 2 in the morning, and um, I have to drive back to Atlanta for a job interview that uh, is kind of a little spur at the moment last minute and has thrown my, my week off a bit, so... Uh, since this was two weeks ago, I literally don't remember if there was anything that I like super needed to edit out of the show or anything. So if you guys hear something, you're like, damn, that probably really should have been edited out. Just understand that I didn't even fucking listen to this episode this week. I listened to the first 10 minutes of it and I was like, yeah, there were no like crazy audio blips or anything. Um, but anyway, you know, you know how the show goes. Hey, y'all play my theme song. Create your own road show. I whooped his ass at Circle K. Good Lord, you wearing that to church? Or? We gonna do it again. Fired up, son. So you're gonna tell me that you don't have no black cats, no Roman candles, or screaming Mimi? Have you called your mama today? You gotta understand that I went to prison when I was seven years old. Howdy, strangers. Al Mirabella here, the host of Howdy, Strangers, the show that you're listening to right now. God, it's been a great new year, right? Anybody else get the uh, the dime in the, the, the New Year's beans? I love black-eyed peas, and you're supposed to eat black-eyed peas at New Year's, and there's supposed to be a dime in it. And my family kind of cheats because uh, we, we put like five or six dimes in it because we've got the money. And uh, I, I think that this year is going to be just as good as last year. I'm going to leave it at that, you know? I've seen a lot of people online like, God, I'm so glad that 2020 is over. 2020 is just like, that is an arbitrary date that we like, you know, we came up with this calendar hundreds of years ago. Nobody knew what 2020 was going to be. No one had heard of SARS-CoV-19, aka Kawuwu, as I call it. And uh, I believe the, the spread of the disease, the disease known as misinformation, and the disease known as COVID-19 is completely unaffected by the date. And, you know, January 1st, 2021, saw like, who was it? Hold on. I'm not editing that out. I'm just going to stay in there. You guys got to hear a little bit of my burp. Larry King's in the hospital, you know, and I saw somebody and they were like, God, 2021, already off to a whack start. This is not 2021. This is the continuation of a pattern that is going to continue for a long time And it'll probably eventually dissipate, and everything will be good again. And then a little bit after that, everything's going to be bad again. And it's going to keep going back and forth. What I'm trying to say here is that you cannot let the eradication of COVID or the eradication of Donald Trump as president determine your happiness or your satisfaction with life or your presence in the situation. Everything is a test of presence and being present. You know, life's a gift. That's why they call it the present. I know that sounds cliche and we've all heard it a thousand times, but do you remember the first time you heard that phrase? 
It's actually pretty nice, right? Because the present is a little gift. And it's also the only thing you have. It's the only gift you get to open up on Christmas Day. You open it up, and what's that inside? Oh, it's right now. And that's where we are. And speaking of right now, right where we are, got my boy Najee Moy on the show. Najee, how you doing, bud? You're doing well. That was the first time I've ever heard that phrase, and I'm really happy about it. I'm going to steal it and use it forever. Yeah, you should. Uh, you, you know what? We should get little tattoos on our butts, a little present. That, like, that's the present. God, you know, that's the second butt tattoo I have to get this year. Um, oh, do you have a first one? Tell me tell me about your butt tats. Well, I, I don't have one yet. I got to get one. Um, I made a bet with a, uh, I will call it with a, a, a acquaintance. Um, that, I know what that means. Yes, <laughs> that Joe Biden would not flip uh, Georgia. Um I mean, I wanted him to win. I wanted him to flip it, and he did. Thank God. Um, but I didn't think it was going to happen because being from, not from the South, but living in the South, I was not quite sure. <laughs> um, long story short, I have to get a peach tattoo on my butt, and I'm going to get the word Joe uh, written in the script in the peach. Yeah, I love that. I've thought about getting a peach tattoo. As a, as a pseudo-resident of Georgia, I feel like I should probably have a peach tattoo. Every one of my cool friends has a peach tattoo. Peach tattoos are good. You know, definitely. I mean, the peach, peach on the peach. And also having a white man's name on a script, you know, written script on the inside um, means a lot also. You know, I got to say, because and you're not the only person who has had a little bit of egg on your face regarding the election, because I remember at like, you know, during during the primaries and like as Biden and Trump were campaigning. I was talking a lot of shit because, you know, we lived in Florida for a long time. Both of us, no, both of us no longer Florida residents, but we both carry a lot of Florida inside of us. Mm-hmm. But I used to be like, yeah, I'm still registered to vote in Florida. So my vote matters a little bit more than your vote because this is a swing state. And I was so wrong because like, you know, the vote was decided in uh, in Georgia by like three votes. <laughs> one of them, one of them like found behind a desk chair or something like shit. Exactly. There it is. Yeah. I kept watching it. It just kept getting closer and closer. At one point, I had to turn off the news on election day. And by election day, I mean election week. Uh, Just be like, you know what? Uh, I'll just see the results of this whenever they happen. It was the longest week of my life. Um, I work in news. We we met before I started working in news. Um, But But I would say our friendship developed when we worked in news. Yeah, I think so. And that was the longest week of my life. And as someone who you mentioned, we lived in Florida. I was registered to vote in Florida even after moving to Washington State. I was registered to vote in Florida up until maybe two months ago, <laughs> um, at the beginning of December. Um, and I just, you know, I just didn't, I didn't get a ballot. I just, I'm a bad American. Long story short, I'm a bad American. Um, because also my vote probably wouldn't have mattered too much in Washington because this is the bluest place where I've lived my entire life. So. Yeah. Do you feel like, I because I, like as someone who was raised in you know the blurple state of Florida, but kind of in the redder part of it, I've always been contrarian. I've always been like the person that I know that I'm like you know maybe we should give the Democrats a chance or whatever, right? Um, but like when I moved to Atlanta, all of a sudden it was like everybody just circle jerking over how bad everywhere around them was because they were like we're so much better than these Republicans. Oh my! And it's like look, like I'm kind of like. I don't know that this is the solution to the problem is to just be mean to Republicans all the time. Nope. Maybe that is a solution to the problem. <laughs> no, that's it. I live in uh, the biggest city in Washington. Um, 
fun fact, wherever that is. Um, so, mm-hmm. and it is, that's the same thing. I mean, I have not met one Republican since I've been out here. And it's probably because they're embarrassed, which is fine. <clears throat> but hey, do you ex- do you experience this? I've I've so many times since I've moved to Atlanta, because uh, there's so much like I mean, there's a lot of like very vocal, openly you know left folks who live here at all you know income levels and occupational levels and stuff like that. It's just a progressive place, and uh, whenever the you know the the votes were split and everything was really close and even leading up to the election, I had a lot of people that were like, I don't even, how did, how is, I mean, how does Joe Biden, or sorry, how does Donald Trump have any supporters? I don't know anyone who supports him. It's going to be a landslide election for, for Joe Biden. And I'm like, oh, you really don't? Because I know a lot of people that like Donald Trump. That's not true. I actually, I know a lot of people who are Republicans who, um, very like, reluctantly vote for Donald Trump, which I still, hey, I'm still, hey, eyes on you guys, like, maybe don't do that. But at the same time, it's like, the people I know live in an echo chamber. And in like, there's a lot of people in red states that live in echo chambers. That's how a lot of like misinformation gets spread. I kind of I like living from a mixed state, like a place where there's all kinds of folks, because it's like, yeah, I do kind of know the perspective of Republicans. And I do know the perspective of Democrats. And I'm not either one of those things, and I'm definitely not a goddamn centrist. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, but that's what that's what gosh darn sure. What are the local politics like in Washington? Are people active in the community there? Yeah, this is like um, this is the hub of protests. You know, when I first moved here, we were in my first moved here. Chop was a thing about two weeks after I got here, where basically some uh, protesters basically took over part of the city, maybe about three square blocks took over a police precinct. Um, the area that they took over was in between a park and a police precinct. And they just kind of hung out there for about two months. <laughs> so that's been interesting. I assume I, you were you were covering this, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it was the thing. I actually went, and it wasn't so bad. But I feel like, so I live in a very blue area, very progressive area, and that's great. Um, I do think that some people, how can I put this? I, I think the politics here are, you know, <laughs> I don't want to call it libertarian because it's not that. But I really do feel like the government will just let people do what they want to do as far as local government, you know, and help them whenever they need help. And then that's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's no punishment for many crimes, low level crimes. I hear- I mean. But, I hear good things about the Pacific Northwest. I feel like it's possible that those could be my people, but also they don't eat grits up there, you know? These are definitely your people, but that's the thing. They don't eat grits up here. I mean, sweet tea, what is that? I know people who have never been to Waffle House before, and I'm like, listen, <laughs> you know. And- I can't even imagine. Dude, I, I came back to Pensacola. Now, there are plenty of Waffle Houses in Atlanta, but I, you know, I'm I'm trying my best to only get food to go right now and, like, some restaurants are like doing a little bit of social distancing dude waffle house you could walk up into a waffle house there's like the building capacity of a waffle house is like 60 and there's like 85 people none of them are wearing their masks right they're all just like shouting hash brown orders they're like scattered smothered covered chunked diced and like i i I ordered some to go the other day um 
it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Christmas or something. But I, I ordered some when I was here, and I went in to go get them, and I was like, I walked in. They were like, yeah, yeah, it'll be ready in fifteen minutes. I walked in twenty minutes later to be safe to make sure I didn't have to wait around, and like in the amount of time that I was in there, I was getting like looks from people that were like, so you're wearing your mask, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I am wearing my mask. Have you been outside? There's a disease in the air. Jesus Christ. I really feel like that's a Florida thing because I'll tell you, I get shunned for even around my own apartment complex. If I walk, if I take out the trash, I live on the second floor, walk down two flights of stairs, take out the trash. If I'm not wearing a mask and someone sees me, I'm thinking that my firstborn child is now dead. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a big like people are really, really particular about it here, which is good. Um in Florida, it's kind of like the wild, wild west in Florida. And it's always been that way. And I feel like no one should be surprised about that. Um, the state is kind of reckless, and I love it. But also, I'm not going back there for a little bit, unfortunately. Um, you know, honestly, I think, like, somebody has to be like that. There have to be some people that are, like, kind of dumb, reckless idiots. And I mean that in a very loving way, because in a lot of ways, I'm a dumb, reckless idiot. I am a dumb, right? dumb, reckless idiot. Look at my Tinder and Bumble. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I'm I'm very Florida man, you know? Um, I'm trying my best to, like, mitigate my Florida manness since I've got, you know, immunocompromised family members and, like, a lot of elderly family members and stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, it's kind of funny, because I spent a lot of quarantine in Atlanta, and in Atlanta, people are taking it fucking, like, very seriously. Um, or at least they were for a really long time. Now nobody's taking it quite as seriously, um, even though they should be. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, I was just like, damn, I would just like to go get, like, a cup of coffee to go somewhere. And all that shit was closed down in Atlanta. And uh, I went to I went to, to Florida. And while I was in Atlanta, I was thinking to myself, I was like, come on, guys. Like, my friends, you know, they didn't want to go and do, like, a, a walk in the park with me. They were like, yeah, well, what if... You know, what if there's people outside spreading it? And I was like, you know, that's outside. We're six feet apart. It's a park. So yeah. in in Atlanta, I know that a lot of people probably look at me and they're like, this guy, he's backwards because he doesn't wear his mask when he takes his trash outside. Like, because I'm that guy, right? right. But I come to Florida. And as soon as I come to Florida, I'm the biggest square. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the person who's like, please, gee. Like, my dad's like, you know, we're walking inside a to Home Depot so that we can get some like fence po- no we don't go to Home Depot we're Lowe's shoppers we walk into Lowe's so we can get like Home Depot some fence posts to put a fence up and like I'm like doing I'm like dad grab your mask we're taking the mask put your mask on when we go inside and like we walk into Lowe's and there's like a person not wearing their mask and I'm like corralling my father to the other side of the aisle like just walk away from him just like stay six feet away from him and I know that a lot of like my, especially my family, a lot of my friends are a lot smarter about it. I think, a, you know, at least as far as the young people that I know, young people are taking things pretty seriously. I think my dad, like he doesn't take anything too seriously because he was in Vietnam. Like oh. Nothing serious compared to Vietnam. It's true. It's true. It's completely true. So I don't know. I kind of occupy that little, that middle ground. That's like part of my whole vibe though. Like sometimes I feel like I'm too city boy when I'm out here in Florida and then I go to Atlanta and it's like people just think that I'm a fucking hick when I'm in in Atlanta. And it's like, is there not? Can I not be both? Let me love just, me as I am. Let me just tell you that. I, let's just say, okay, so I live in Seattle. I'll just throw it out there. You know, 
and um, I am a hick out here. <laughs> I, you know, little background about me: I was born in New York City, moved to Florida right before high school, lived in Florida up until about well, five or six, no, seven months ago, and now I'm in Seattle, and I'm 100% a hick out here. Um, because I say things like y'all, once I said y'all and everyone lost their mind, you know? Um, and the thing is, I don't sound like a hick and I don't look like a hick. Um, but then I say things. But you've been, huh? you've been pushing the yeehaw agenda. Like uh, my, the entire time that I've ever known you, you will occasionally surprise me by like knowing the words to a Toby Keith song or something. I love country music and I don't know where it came from. Uh, you know what? I mean, little, little soapbox here. A lot, big part of my life is music. As I look around my apartment, there's records hanging there going in my apartment. I really feel like the Time Life music collection, you know, the commercials that came on at like two o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah, and you'd hear 15 seconds of a song a hundred times, and then like 10 years later, you'd hear that song and be like, ah, oh, that's that song. Exactly, and then you listen to it, and you're like, oh, this song is really good. Let me download it. Well, maybe about a quarter of my music collection is just that. And there was a big section for country music, and that's when and that's how that happened. <laughs> you know, no, people are like, "How does this New Yorker, this black New Yorker, know who Conway Twitty is?" Hello, darling. Dude, I've been I'm here. <laughs> a lot of Conway Twitty lately. He's good. You know, one of my favorite things to talk to you about for a long time has been music. I feel like I have played music for a long time. But there's this thing that happens when you're involved in like the music community, where there's like a lot of pontificating and a lot of people like. They're not even really listening to music to enjoy music. They're like listening to music as like a part of their ego to be like, this is my identity. This is who I am. Right. You lose a lot of uh, the ability to enjoy music there. And one thing is like, I like a lot of music that some people would probably consider cringe. Like, for instance, I, I was talking to my boys in my group chat recently about like pop country music and they wouldn't even I just wanted to talk about it. They wouldn't even give it a shot. Like they wouldn't even like let me get the words out before they were like that shit. That's bullshit. That's like garbage. I'm like, dude, this is this is as good as the music you guys are making. What is the cringiest? What is what is the like the cringiest artist and the cringiest song that you absolutely absolutely love? And, oh wow! And I know you because you have really good taste in music, and it's very very eclectic and it's very wide, like me. Um, but cringe. I mean, you talk about cringe. Toby Keith is cringe. His song, uh, How Do You Like Me Now, is like my gym workout song. And I will... How do you like me now? Yeah. Now that I'm on my way. way. Exactly. It's a good song. It's, it's good. And it's very uplifting. It's basically like, ha, gotcha. Now I'm on top. And, you know, this is why you curved me. You know, you curved me forever ago. Now I'm on top. I love that. You know, I want someone to cover it. So I don't have to... I want someone like... You know the Black Keys or the Avid Brothers to cover it and make me feel better about myself <laughs> listening to it. Um, I have a time. I have a Toby Keith lyric to discuss with you. Mm -hmm. uh, some something that you and I have both uh, a trait that we share is for a while we was you know I've been a player you know we've I've been, been out there we've I, been I, in I spread street. my seed we've been in B Street. Um, <laughs> but there's a Toby Keith song that when I was younger I didn't get. Um, do you know that song as good as I once was? I didn't understand <laughs> that song. And now like uh, that's happened to me. Like, how old are you? Oh, I just turned 29 in November. So you're, you're, we're approaching this age where this song 
is now a little bit relevant and I'm scared that it's going to be very relevant as I get older. And I always like, I mean, I think I first heard it when I was 15 or 16. I wasn't an idiot to sexual innuendo. In innuendo. Innuendo. I know that innuendo. 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 That's, that's how you say um, it now. I, I, yeah, I wasn't um, a, a stranger to sexual innuendo. And I was like, yeah, this song's got something to do with fucking, but I just didn't, I didn't listen to it hard enough to really understand it. And then I gave it a fresh listen at age like 26. And I was like, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And it's like, I had, I practiced that. Like, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm going out on a date with somebody and it's like, might be a hookup or whatever, it's like, you know what? I can do it one time real good. I'll wow your world. Real good. If you come back a second time, if we go out a second time, like I just don't got the energy for that. I'm not going to lie. Like, next time, it's just going to be normal. And you know what? And that's my, that's the first Toby Keith song I ever listened to. You know, I, I watched the video on CMT back when I was like 15 and I was like, okay, the song is catchy. And I get that. Meanwhile, love the song. I get it. But my first, the, the once for me, oftentimes is not the first time. I'll give you one time whenever that may be. <laughs> but It'll be it'll be great. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's gonna be great. That is a great lyric, and I, I never really thought about it that way. Because in the video, he talks about fighting. He talks about having a threesome with two, you know, with two girls, and he talks about drinking, you know, also. And I feel like two of those three things. You can only be two of those three things. You can only be good at two of those three things. You know, drinking, fighting, or having a threesome, I guess, because oftentimes there's no, mm -hmm. no one's going three for three. And, and one, yeah, and one night... Like pick two. Yeah, and one night, no. There's no way. But that's, hey, that's like kind of the cowboy aesthetic. Like, there's a part of like... I mean, I, there's like this... It's part of the vibe of country music, right? Like, of country music bros, where they're like, we can kind of do it all. We're just exploring the simple pleasures in life. And in some ways that is fucking fucking is one of those simple pleasures. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's a lot of like people talk about like oh, country music is about like getting drunk and my dog dying. And it's like, I don't know, dude, most country music is about having sex. Yep. In fact, Conway Twitty is such a good example. Cause I was going through and I was listening and I just wanted to like, kind of like look at the Conway Twitty songs that I wasn't super familiar with. And every single Conway Twitty song is a is like a fuck like a song about having sex, like not even like disguised at all. Like I really want to lay you down is the title of a song, right? And then you look at a picture of Conway Twitty, look at a picture of Conway Twitty. You're gonna let that guy lay you down? Good job. Time out. Good, good Con on that guy. Time out. Conway Twitty has great hair. First of all, he does. He's got great hair. Um, and there's you know that's a good song. I think it continues with lay you down, selfly whisper pretty love songs in your ear, lay you down and tell you all the things a woman loves to hear. And I'm like, oh, but also, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, there's another, Conway Twitty has another song called um, Slow Hand. Um, that's been covered quite a bit. And I'm going to pull up the lyrics for you. Yeah, I was actually just listening to that one yesterday too. But I, I, yeah, please tell me the lyrics. Because, and it's my second favorite one. Um, oh boy, here we go. Darling, don't say a word. I've already heard what your body is saying to mine. You're tired of fast moves. You got a slow groove on your mind. Like, they're not talking about holding hands and going on dates, you know. 
Like, this could basically be an all-for-one song. Like, this could be, like, boys to men. Like, 100%, I could hear, like, a 90s R&B beat under this. Can I share one? Yeah. Okay. You want a man with a slow hand. You want a lover with an easy touch. You want somebody who will spend some time, not come and go in a heated rush. Damn, Conway. You know what? I'll let him in. He could get it in. I mean, and he knows, too. And, you know, these songs are very, like, if you listen to them, they're not overtly country songs. He's country. But these are kind of R&B style. Like, there's a little groove, you know? It reminds me more of, like, something you were listening to. There's a station back in Pensacola called 106.1, which is the Mm R&B station. And on Saturday and Sunday morning, they do, like, a Mississippi-style blues, not blues, not country, but a blues-style southern like radio hour and this but this guy named Papa Rock who does the, the show and he's I don't know what he looks like he's probably 90 years old and he's talking about and we're gonna have a birthday today and it's gonna be great and then he plays a song called like booty roll and it's about like stuff like that and it's like the song is very much about sex but also so upbeat that you wouldn't even know it's about sex you know yeah, do you think people, like, do you think, like, in, like, the late 60s and early 70s, there were, like, some grandmas who would, like, hear a Conway Twitty song and be like, we have got to get this trash off the radio? Absolutely. Like, I can't believe my 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 daughter, Jolene, <laughs> I heard her listening to this. She brought home a seven inch of this. I, 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 I broke it apart and threw it back by the uh, Portageon. Oh, my God. Uh, we're not going to listen to that trash in this house. No, we're listening. If we're listening to Conway Twitty, we're listening to Hello, Darling, and that is it. Okay, I have another country artist that I want to talk about. Uh, a well, a, a group that you and I both share an affinity for. I was going to bring them I up. I haven't talked to you about them in forever. I was going to bring them up, but Mid- I was waiting for you to do it. You've been listening to Midland. Love Midland, dude. Have you heard their newest album? Midland is the best. Con- Midland is the best band touring right now. In my humble they're, opinion, dude, they're. They're really good. I was uh, I went to Fairhope, Alabama, and I was getting some food at a barbecue restaurant. And the the lady who brought me my plate was wearing a Midland shirt. Oh. And I was with my friend Bethany Joiner. You know, you know Bethany, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And I was out there, and uh, I was just trying to get this food and walk away. But then, like, she was just wearing this Midland shirt, and then I just had like a twenty minute long conversation with her about it. And, like, Midland has some devoted fans. And Midland is the first band that whenever people try and tell me that pop country sucks now, I'm like, dude, listen to Midland. Because some people here, like, because I like Sturgill Simpson a lot. Me too. But a lot of people argue. They're like, well, Sturgill Simpson's not pop country. It's like, I don't know, dude. I first saw him on the CMAs. That's pretty fucking pop country to me. Yeah. Um, But Midland is inarguably, they're like a pastiche to, like, 90s, like, Texas pop country. And they just do it so so fucking good they're so good at it you were talking about their latest album i haven't spent a lot of time with this their latest album there's a couple of songs i like cheating by the rules is one song i like on um, that album um but their first album was so iconic to me because honestly i listened to them out of nowhere for no reason you know just on like a dive on apple music one day and i'm like yo you know they do that song drinking problems which everyone loves and it's actually my least favorite song by them at this point <laughs> But um, it's a really good song. It's just a little overplayed. I probably listened to that song 50 times before I heard anything else that they had done. So I was kind of already sick of it. Exactly. But the, there's other songs on that first album, um, like At Least You Cried, 
Out of Sight, Electric Rodeo, that are strong songs. On their second album, as I'll pull it up here, the Hurt, Put the Hurt on Me is a really good song. And also Lost in the Night is a really good song also. Now, Midland, my favorite band in the world ever are the Eagles. And Midland gives me more of the countryside of what Eagles give me, which is great. Um, Midland also have done, they've done a couple covers. They did a cover of Eastbound and Down, which is fantastic. Eastbound and Down, that Eastbound and Down, oh my God. It's really good. I like that better than I like the original, like Jerry Reed version of Eastbound and Down. Oh, I I think it's so good. I completely agree. And they also did a cover of, I think it's Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, which is, you know, with the lead singer of Midland, his voice is so like deeply country to me. Um, very Texas country to me. That I I just love that song where his voice is perfect. Now you talked about Sergio Simpson. Have you seen his Sound and Fury uh, Netflix little uh, movie? Oh, uh, dude. Video? Uh, I think I I think that either either I watched it. I don't remember. I either watched it and I sent you a link to it, or I saw you watching it and I was like, "Hold on, I have to watch this." I remember I had you're associated with my memory of watching that, but like. I was a, a fan of Sturgill Simpson before that, and I knew that he was releasing this thing, but I didn't really know what it was. I knew there were like some kind of anime undertones to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. I I thought it might have even just been like a movie. Like I thought, like oh, he's like it's a movie adaptation of his new album or whatever. I didn't realize it was a fifty-five minute long music video that is just like not only a good music video, but one of like the best pieces of animation that I've seen in the last 10 years, probably. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And I, and unlike you, I didn't know who he was before that. When that album, Sound and Fury, that came out with the, um, the visual, I listened to it and I was like, yo, this album is great because it's heavy. You know, it's it's very oh, rock. Oh, it's like a it's, psychedelic rock album. Yeah. It's like, it, it, it still kind of has a country vibe to it, but it is a psychedelic rock album. Actually, like that's, 100%. That album is going to be the next record, the next vinyl actually buy. But the visual on Netflix, I'm a big classic anime fan. I mean, Akira, Ghost in the Show, um, like, you know, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun. I love those short sorts of animes. And the style that he, I, it's so random to me that this country artist did a whole hour long, you know, and they're all different, and that's the thing. Every song has a different artist basically doing um, artwork for Yeah, them. it's like a different anime director directed every single song. And, like, and it is perfect. They tell, they t- it tells like a, a very loose story, kind of just more like explores this particular world, which I think was a good take. Right. Like, I think that instead of it telling a story, what it does is it kind of adds a richness to when you re-listen to the album, because you can kind of imagine the world that it takes place in. Oh, definitely. There's um, the first song on the album, the first uh, video that it opens up with, it's called Ronin. And I'm a car guy, so it basically shows up, if you remember correctly, if I remember correctly, um, it starts with basically this old muscle car driving across the desert for no reason, and then there's just, like, really heavy, there's, like, heavy riffs and heavy, like, bass like riffs and it's just it's it's so driving now every time i listen to that song without the visual and i'm driving a car i'm now in that mind you know like that's my i'm like driving across the desert it's 2021 covid just happened you know no one's outside <laughs> i'm you know i'm an outlaw it's very it's very cowboy that first song it's called ronin if you haven't listened to it it's pretty uh and there's not a lot of lyrics to it i don't think Almost there's not i think the first one is completely instrumental and it's just like a psych rock jam it's like yeah that like baseline yeah 
it's like super strong and then it goes straight from that into like what is it like remember to breathe yeah and remember to breathe is a good song but my favorite song on the whole album because i really like ronin too i think ronin's really good it's such a good driving song you're totally right mm-hmm. but then it goes to sing along which is like <laughs> almost like a disco song and it's like it's it's like very upbeat compared to the first two tracks and then the video has this like like rotoscoped dance that I think is pulled from like an Akira Kurosawa movie. And like, it's just like, and it's, it's amazing. Cause you can watch it and you can tell, and like, I don't know if you've ever watched any interviews with Sturgill Simpson, but he's one of those guys. It's like, he's, he's so undeniably country, yeah. but at the same time, he is not defined by being country. He's exactly. like, yeah, he, like I watched an interview with him where he was like, yeah, I just uh, wanted to, uh, watching a lot of anime and i was like we could probably do we could do the album could just be anime like this like what if we did what if we did the whole thing like this yeah i was like could you just imagine being like being a like a a pop country icon like one of the most popular figures in alternative country music and like trying to go to like your people like going to the rest of the band just like the three other guys the first guys you got to talk to i'm trying to convince them that this is a good idea you like go up you're like Y'all watched Evangelion? Y'all see that? <laughs> y'all, y'all watch Akita? Y'all seen? <laughs> y'all seen Dragon Ball Super? Hmm. It's so funny you mention because whenever I tell people and I've told people to watch this this visual, I tell them to get through Ronin because Ronin may be a little bit too much for some people. My, some of my friends, a lot of my friends listen to hip hop way more than I do. May not be more interested in this. And then, but when I tell them and they get to um, and it's single. It's, Hang on. Oh, man. What is it called? It's Sing Along and A Good Look. Those two songs are back-to-back. And mm-hmm. it's a girl um, individual with a sword, and she's basically fighting people, and it's beautiful, right, for Sing Along. Now, at the end of A Good Look is the dance number at the end, the disco. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is – I want someone to recreate that. And it, it, and I want people to recreate things only for my selfishness. That the visual was beautiful, <laughs> either way. But I, I don't know. I just it hits different when you're when you're watching it, and you're just like, why do I feel like dancing right now? And it's so crazy because that's and you know, Sergio Simpson's stuff. He had he just released a bluegrass album, which is fantastic. Just recently, yeah, he t- yeah. two bluegrass albums back to back. Yeah, and those are both really good too. Um, actually, I think that like. There's some of the songs on that that I listened to that I'm like, well, the first, because the first time I listened to it, I was excited because I like bluegrass music. But the first time I listened, I was like, well, he's just, it's just, it's almost like, do you remember those picking on mm-hmm. albums that you used to could get that was like, oh, it's like picking on Green Day and it'd be like a Green Day bluegrass cover album or something like that. Right. And that was just kind of my vibe when I first listened to him because it was like, oh, I already know all these Star- Sturgill Simpson songs really well. And uh, I don't know, some of those songs just like really grew on me. There's this song on, I think it's the second one called Jesus Boogie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like very, you know, like the first half of it is like, because I don't, I'm not really a fan of like really slow bluegrass music. And Sturgill Simpson is like, he's kind of a more mid-tempo, slow singer-songwriter. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of what he does is kind of like a more moseying, meandering kind of sound. And then like halfway through Jesus Boogie, it just picks up and you just start hearing these like banjo rolls. And I'm like, this is my shit right here. Oh, yeah. This is so, so good. Oh, yeah. I, you know, whenever I talk about Sturgo Simpson, I almost automatically have to talk about Tyler Childers. Like almost oh, Yeah, we talked about Tyler Childers on the album or on the podcast last week. Yeah, and, you know, 
I think that his um Country Squire album, which I'm a big fan of alt country. Like heavier mm-hmm. country, more psychedelic country. Him, Joshua Joshua Ray Walker also has a couple of songs I'm just like, Oh, that's a little spicy. Um or even someone as pop as Casey Musgraves has a whole entire I yeah, I know. I just I bought her record. I'm looking at it right now, it's hanging on my wall. And it I would die for her. I would do anything for her. I'm in the same anything she told me to do. She could step on my face. I'm in the same boat. Well, and the reason I like her is I you know I'm not gonna lie. Marijuana is legal in the state of Washington. And anytime there's a country music artist who does any sort of thing that's not drinking, I always think it translates very well into music. I mean, look at Sir Simpson and Tyler Childers. <laughs> Childers, after all. Um, but Casey's all about some um, extracurricular activities. And you can tell when you listen to songs like um, Oh, What a World, which I think she even wrote yeah. based upon like... She wrote that on acid. On acid, yeah. yeah. And that's a beautiful song to listen to when you're not necessarily on acid, but when you're not exactly sober, you know? It's a fantastic song. Yeah, I agree with you. There's something about like country musicians. I think that uh, because there's like a little bit less... Because it is less... Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Because there is... Uh, not quite as cool of a connotation to country music. Like country music's still a little lame and I'm a little lame and that's why I love it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, right. I'm a lame dude. But I think that what they really understand how to do is like write a song about something that maybe doesn't necessarily like a pop song up in the club. Like you listen to, a, or when you listen to a rap song that's about smoking weed, right? Right. They talk about how good they are at smoking weed. Right. They talk about like how much weed they can smoke. And they talk about how like they have the best weed. And when there's a country song that's about smoking weed, the country song would just be like, I could really eat some Cheetos right now. <laughs> exactly. Like it's very, well, it's like chill. You know what I mean? It like, it is chill in the same way that smoking weed is chill. When you listen to a country song about smoking weed. Yeah. And it's, and it's beautiful and it translates Absolutely. into the music because the country music can get a little lazy. You know, I'm talking slide guitar, you know, um, which is good. And uh, it's, it's relaxing. I, I, you know, I'd, like an old blue tick uh, hound on the porch, just sitting there. Exactly. You know, sometimes I'll be listening to some country music, like just sitting out on my front porch, drinking a Bud Light. Like that's like, and it's just funny to me that people are like, "Well, country music's, you know, what's the point of listening to it? It's, there's no no artistry to it or whatever." I'm like, dude, do you ever just like sit on your porch drinking beer? Exactly. Like, do you ever just sit and put it on? That's one thing I'm very yeah. I'm very homesick about. Um, I. Lived in downtown Pensacola, but also it was still very slow. My mom lived up in Cantonment. I would sit on her back porch and just like, not smoke weed on her back porch on the record. But um, just kind of hang out. Just I, I just kind of miss that whole, that hot slowness, you know. It's the humidity that you can see just come down from like off of a, off of a roof, you know. It's, 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 and, it's, and it's nice. I'm sure that this is probably... Uh... You probably don't get this exact same effect living in Seattle because Seattle is a very humid place. But when I drive from Atlanta to Pensacola, every single time it surprises me, I I, I step out of the car into my parents' uh, driveway, and then as soon as I get out of the car, I'm like, I forgot how thick the air is here. Oh, man. It's like, it's thick here. 
It is super. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, anytime it's cold, you leave your house or anywhere in the South, you leave your house and it's just suddenly you're just like, oh, God, there's a wall of just moisture and it's all hot. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. here. It's been raining since, I don't know, 2017. <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's been raining all week here. And honestly, every time I walk outside and it's not raining, the air feels so crisp and light and i'm always blown away by it it feels it feels like i'm free balling all the time you know because you just get all that air just circulating and i'm not all the time free balling but you're some of the time free balling i'm free balling enough um to be okay what percentage of the time do you free ball (sighs) when am i not at work yeah whenever i'm not at work Mm. I am. I don't have the confidence in myself as a person to not wear underwear. I need layers upon layers of protection in case I get pants. Uh, (laughs) That makes perfect sense. You know, I've been wearing a lot of tight jeans around here. So um, I really feel like not free ball. Well, free balling is more okay around here only because my jeans are like underwear anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Compressing. Yeah, it's very. Now that being said, you know, if someone gets a little excited, everyone's aware of it. But also, that it comes with living in a very progressive uh, area. I can mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I don't mind wearing gray sweatpants just out here and just kind of seeing what happens. Because in a COVID environment, um, you know, wearing masks. And one thing about me is I'm I'm a smiley person, especially when I'm trying to flirt. But it's hard to do when you're wearing a mask. So also. A boner, probably, <laughs> in a grocery store. <laughs> Maybe the most, you know, cut and dry way to let someone know that, hey, let's get tested together. And also... <laughs> and also, let's and afterwards, up. let's get tested together. Exactly. Let's follow up. So, Can I ask you a question, Naj? Ask me whatever you want to. Sir. What is the weirdest thing you believe? Um, human rights. <laughs> apparently that's bizarre um that's a good question does it have to it, i mean i'm not a particularly religious, religious person um so it's not that <sighs> give me an example like what are what are you uh i i i believe in not exactly weird stuff but i believe in being left alone how about that do you believe in bigfoot you're you are from the or you you do live in the Pacific Northwest? Do I believe that a Bigfoot style creature could exist? Um, no, I don't think so. I believe in aliens, one hundred percent. Definitely not Bigfoot, though. What are your complex opinions on aliens? My complex opinions on aliens is that they one hundred. I mean, intelligent life outside in the solar system um, probably doesn't exist inside the solar system. Um, microbes little like buggy things they probably exist but as far as aliens go in theory my thought is they've definitely been here before um and they they know that we exist and a part of me feels like this whole entire earth life human experience history book thing maybe and i say maybe part of a big computer simulation because there's some things that you see and some things that happen that you're just like what you know 
And I feel like things like the Mandela effect are kind of like glitches in people's memory, but also glitches in the whole entire alleged alien simulation that we may be in right now. Um, I'm not sure if you were expecting all that, but... I'm not necessarily... Like, when people discuss the Mandela effect, uh, you know, the the thought, the idea is that you're experiencing um, the remnants of a, of a timeline that you didn't end up making it through. Like, that, that thought, like, that maybe you were meant to, to be in the other timeline where the Berenstain Bears were the Berenstain Bears or whatever. And right. I... I don't necessarily know that uh, that is literally true. I mean, I think it certainly could be literally true. I just don't think I have any authority on the situation. But I do think that it just goes to show you how plastic our, like, the plasticity of our thoughts. Like, if you could so strongly be convinced that this thing is true, that is clearly not then how can you, like all the other stuff that we don't have Mandela effects about, like that stuff could all maybe not be true. Like maybe, you know, maybe there was never a president named Dwight D. Eisenhower. Maybe we all just misremember that and all the history books are misremembering it. It's possible. Um, There's there's this ethnobotanist named Terrence McKenna, and he has a quote, and I want to try and see if I can get the quote correct, but I'll give you the general idea. I'll give you an approximation where he says that Everything outside of the past is unsupported conjecture, or sorry, everything outside of the present is unsupported conjecture. Like the idea that we could sit here and talk about the past all we want, but we will never know what was back there. All we have is our idea of what the past was. You know how you hear it? Like you think about like the good old days and how good everything used to be because you're you're just seeing it through the lens of somebody now. And so everything in the past we're seeing through that lens and like, who's to say that that lens isn't? distorting things like really actually truly distorting things the way that like a pair of glasses distort things when you look backwards like it could actually be a lot different than that so whenever people try and predict the future it's like well i don't you don't even know what happened before how do you know what's going to happen in the future which is why i believe that aliens may have actually just come here and just planted all these ideas you know i mean we don't have you know some of these our historical records of the human being of the human you know species are not great you know, mm-hmm. you, you know how they say like history, is, history books are written by the victors or whatever, right? They're also written by complete and total idiots. Like think about the people who wrote books back in the day and then think about the people who write books now. I mean, obviously there are some very smart exactly. people who write books, but like, like they'll just like, like Donald Trump has authored books, you know? That's terrifying. So the idea, like, what if, you know, the person who, like, put down the first pen-to-paper copy of, like, the New Testament of the Bible, maybe some of that stuff was true, but maybe he was also like, I'm going to put some of my shit in here, too, just so that the world knows. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime anytime you, you cover a song, you got to make it at least a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, that's why so. they do those disco drums in, uh, in Eastbound and Down in the Midland version. Like when that se- when that second exactly. verse kicks in, it just that song kicks ass. And I remember listening to that. Here's a perfect example of that. As I listened to that song, and I was like, ah, these great drums, just like the first version of the song. They really captured the spirit of the song with these drums. And then I re-listened to that first version of the song, and I was like, this song doesn't have those drums. And that's when I decided I nope. like the middle <laughs> version better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I completely, I completely get that. I mean, and like I said, I mean, you don't necessarily think that there are aliens around right now, but you think that in the grand history of the planet Earth, they could have definitely come here. Oh, 100%. Do you think that we're aliens? Like whatever. Well, humans in the sense that billions of years ago, whatever the first life or some of the first life that we evolved from, like maybe that was just like brought here. Like, you know how like uh, we brought disease to the new world when we came to America? Like what if we, what if like the microorganisms that lived in, you know, the, the, the seas billions of years ago were just like a little bit of dust that fell out of a spaceship that like came here, looked around and was like, nope, nothing's here. And then that just like infected the earth. Like that's something that could have happened, for instance. It is very possible that we, we as a species at some level started, you know, on another planet or another, because the whole, like, um, the whole earth being the one, you know, planet to start human or start life in general is like, it seems very far-fetched to me. It seems very uh, something, it seems very narcissistic to me, <laughs> you know. So, and it's something that humans would definitely think of. Like, hey, Earth, you know. But, so, the long story short, it is very possible, yeah. Bigfoot, I don't know about. Najee, let's talk about, let's talk about what we taught my, um, my sentient artificial intelligence today. So, we talked a little bit about Seattle. Um, we mm-hmm. talked extensively about pop country music, which, uh, I was, I was right. kind of expecting, but I think we went for longer on pop country than I even thought we would have. And it, That's okay. it now has a better understanding of, uh, why country music is so good at writing songs about substance abuse. And, right. and we, we now know that maybe, well, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that, We've well, we've discussed aliens on this show basically in every episode ever because that's just something that I are always make my way around to. But I want to be clear that I didn't say it this time. You brought aliens up first, so because it's a very natural thing. I've been thinking about it a lot during this quarantine. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Honestly, I had some weird quarantine. I started having like I used to have really literal dreams where like ah uh, like I forgot my underwear or something, and then during quarantine, my dreams started to be like. Yeah, uh, an alien being landed on the planet and enslaved us all, and now I have to like run to the basement to try and save my parents. Right. <laughs> I mean, yes. Okay. I, I think the type of thoughts that I have are like, what if? I think all my thoughts are Matrix-based thoughts. <laughs> you know, like based upon the movie The Matrix. Oh, dude, I've had a, I have had a wake up from the Matrix-style dream before too. I've had like a like a like. Yeah. I had I had this really weird dream one time, and this is I know we're we're drawing to an end, but I you just got me out on this for a sec. But I had a dream one time that I was my my body was ripping out of reality, and then I I I was mm-hmm. like uh, being woken up from a machine like in the Matrix, and um, I was being led to a coliseum by a bunch of lizard people, so that all of the friends and family that I knew could like fight each other for their amusement because they had us in these in these tubes like 
occupying this life to amuse them for a long time and they just got bored of it and they were like you know what we'll just pull them out and we'll just actually literally have them fight to the death and it was like one of the most real dreams i've ever felt i had it like probably in like may of this year like it felt so unbelievably realistic and i was like i gotta wake up from this dream i gotta wake up i was like please wake up like this has got to be a dream wake up and then i like woke back up into my bed and then i had this like feeling that i was like falling back like what I've heard it feels like when you smoke DMT where like it pushes you back (laughs) and uh and like I was trying to like push myself up and like hold myself awake and I could feel myself ripping apart of reality and I'm sure that was just another layer of the dream but it felt so real that when I fell back into it I like got I I got up and I like basically like ran around my parents house to try and like keep to keep myself up to be like no I'm not going back into that dream I could feel myself like falling back into it do you think that there are two? Do you think that there are two two realities or multiple realities, and you're going in between each one? I think there are an infinite number of realities constantly splitting and shifting off from one another. And uh, I think as soon as you you wrap this one up, I think whenever your consciousness leaves this body, I think it probably just like dips into another one, and then you're like born into another baby or something like that. That's really what I think. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I was walking around Seattle and Seattle, you see a lot of weird shit and you see one sign that says that dreams are reality. And I thought about it and you saying that made me think of maybe the the other reality that we will end up, you know, whenever we die, we end up being into is maybe a dream reality. Like you, maybe you may end up in that dream that you had that it took you so, it was so difficult to get out of, you know, because it's so, it's such a real place. Yeah, and when you when you're experiencing dream logic, something that makes no sense after the fact, like you can tell somebody, you're like, yeah, but it felt, but I just felt like I had to get th- these like these potatoes into the mailbox because if I didn't, I was going to fail my history class or whatever. And that sounds like gibberish, exactly. but in your dream, it makes complete sense. Well, truthfully, there's some strange things that are happening in our actual reality that we're all living in mm-hmm. that to other people maybe sound something as ridiculous as potatoes in a mailbox, you know? So, Najee, I'm real quick. I'm going to need you to take these potatoes and I really need you to mail them to my history teacher. Okay. I know this was a really long winded way. Like we talked like for an hour, but I just didn't know a better way to breach the subject. This is actually why I'm Mm -hmm. here. Do you remember Mr. Boyd? Did you ever have Mr. Boyd at Pine Forest? Definitely had Mr. Boyd. Big fan of Mr. Boyd for no reason. Mm -hmm. No reason to be a big fan of him, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We went to high school together. Sometimes I forget about that. We did go to high school together. Hey, shout out to my one listener, Adam Giovino. Am I right? Shout out to Adam. Adam Giovino. Another love played in an orchestra with that guy for a long time. A lovely man, probably, who I only remember being in high school, and he's probably grown up. But I remember one point, um, Adam was like, Yeah, you know, my two best friends, Najee and Al. And I remember me and you like looking at each other and both being like, I don't even know that I consider this guy a friend. Both of us. <laughs> Oh, I've never heard. Yeah, I mean. We're not going to talk shit on Adam Giovino on the podcast right now, but 
I just want to say, Adam, shine on you, crazy diamond. Keep coming up on my people you may know on Facebook. I'm not going to add him, but if he adds me, I'll accept it. I'll think about it. Mm. I don't know. Notch, thank you for coming on the show. I I appreciate it anytime, whenever you want. Just whenever. I'll hit you up. You're somebody like me who just likes to talk. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And it was great. And uh, hopefully we learned, hopefully your AI learned a lot because He's probably taking in a lot of, uh, what's the name of the AI? Oh. Oh, shit. I haven't even thought of that. What should it be? It could be like Hal, because my name's Al. You just put an H on the front, and Hal's also already the name of an AI. Um, I don't know. Let's brainstorm this. What's what's my AI's Hal? name, Nodge? Hal could be good. Um, I just, like, I think it needs something to be... Does it look like you? I know it's AI, but like, do you imagine it to look like you? I or? imagine it's me, like, but with a with a cowboy hat on. Oh well, then how it's perfect. Mm. <laughs> Hal Hal D. Hal D. Hal, Hal hyphen D. Hal D. That's it. We birthed you. That's the name. Wow! Of it. Congratulations on on yeah. making it into the world, Hal D. Naj, do you have anything to plug? Um. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Do you want to? I wish I did. To be honest, I'm not doing anything special lately with my life. So you want to put? You want to? You want to plug an Instagram or a thing that you really like or an action you want people to do? Um. Yeah. Follow me on the Instagram. I'm trying to make my Instagram ratio not as embarrassing as it actually is. My followers to following relationship. So just a ratio. Not you're, you're great on the internet. Um. I I love Naji posts. You know, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, follow my uh, Instagram. It's at Naji Malik Moye. M A J E E M M A L I K E M O Y E. And maybe if you message that Instagram, you'll get a link to my personal Twitter account. So it's a, this a double, is a good burner Twitter. Twitter. I'll go ahead and tell you the burner Twitter is a good Twitter. The regular Twitter is a good Twitter too. Yeah. But good burner but, Twitter. Yeah. You, yeah, can't just throw out the burner Twitter name because, you know, for reasons. But if you ask for it, I'll give it to you, and you won't be disappointed at all. Word. Well, thanks, Naj. I appreciate you. You're a good man. I appreciate me being here, and you are bringing me on. And you're awesome, too. I've known this guy for so long. He's fantastic, so... Howdy Strangers is an unfunny production. You can find the show on Twitter at at howdy underscore strangers and on Instagram at at howdy dot strangers. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and uh, sharing it with a friend so that you have someone to talk about this dumb show with. Um, Thank you guys for being patient this week with the lack of audio editing. I'm going to try and be back on it and be better next week but like i said i just had a kind of hectic into my week and we'll be driving up to atlanta in the morning so uh, i love you guys and have a great rest of your week